Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. We'll be eating lightning and talking thunder and powerbombing you right in the ear holes today. Damn, never. Hey, I don't think it'll ever get old. But here's what's getting old, though, is me take half of the, the, the. Yeah, you know, we need our boy Don Brown. Here's Don Brown. We need you to come to the studio and get this put into our. Uh, I don't know what do you call that thing, Pastor Phil. What do you call box. that? Control box. Yeah. Okay. Control panel down there would be nice, so so my boy can stay seated during this whole event. <laughs> and we're back. And we're uh, back. You know, the only thing, a couple things. Do you remember when we first started doing this? And like, it would, we'd have to do like three, <laughs> three takes just to get the intro. <laughs> we'd, always, we'd always just mess it up. Remember that? I do. Rookies. <laughs> Rookies. We've gotten better. <laughs> um, and two, does it still pump you up? Pumps me up. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Listen, listen to it in the car on the way down here. You know, I don't not be, I don't like not being able to like, you know how I used to make up those fun little coming into your ear hole thing today, you know, <laughs> I, I miss doing that, but, and I'm sure you missed it. Cause you I do. Were, I do. You thought they were really good. Um, so today's guest is, I, I will always forever refer to him as pastor Phil, pastor Phil Schneider. That's what we're going with today on, on the show, right? I mean, now he's like a bishop or a cardinal or something, <laughs> as far as like, as far as like, <laughs> So he, he is the, and I'm going to get this, he is the superintendent of the Illinois Assembly of God churches. Yeah. I say that right? Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, if you're a Catholic, I would be the bishop. If you're a Methodist, I'd be the bishop. So I oversee about 300 churches and 1,000 ministers in the state of Illinois. Well, we had you on because we thought you'd be like a cardinal level. So you're just a bishop level. I just got to take a cardinal out. <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> um, Before what, we get too far, though, I do want to do one thing. Can you can you show everybody your shirt? Oh yeah, can you have because, it pointed on me? Where, yeah, where's, yeah, you're where's, good. You're good right now. It's yeah. on you. It's on uh, you. So anyway, so Pastor Phil here, he uh, he baptized me. It's been about eleven or twelve years ago. Now. Yeah. Okay, so okay. when we're going up to do the the baptismal, is that how you yeah. say that? Baptismal, like that, Ross. Write that down. Look at that vocabulary. I had this. <laughs> I had this shirt made, and it says, "Pastor Phil is my homeboy." Okay, so during the up there in front of the church, I had that on. It was it was funny. Uh, so I haven't worn this shirt for eleven or twelve years since then. <laughs> and I bring this up because of our last show, us talking about not being able to throw away certain. <laughs> You articles never, of clothing because you, you never know that one, one time. time. Here it is. Here it is. Ross. You had to go digging in the basement. I, I had to go deep for that one. I had to go very I love it. I, I love it. I had to go. See, Don, Don, right there is why I don't throw away shirts. So that one time I might be like, to wear it and get a laugh. Oh you're, man. You're assuming your wife is gonna listen to this. That's what you're assuming. I like that. Huh? Someday that shirt will be worth a dime. <laughs> <laughs> Once you take out of some Cardinals. Yeah. Um, so, Ross, I'm going to do something real quick, and we didn't talk about this, but I'm, I'm going to do a quick true or false with him, okay? If I, I, this I is new. Out, I, 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 I like it. Some, Truth some little, or dare the spiritual style. <laughs> <laughs> so I found out uh, just some little fun facts about him. We're going to ask if they're I mean, yeah. from different people, so we're going to find out if these are true or not, Okay. We, I've heard that you're very frugal. This isn't a true or false, because I already know the answer oh, to this. We've heard you're very frugal, okay? Yeah. 
Is it true that on special occasions you'd go to a store, you'd find a card for your wife, and then you'd bring your wife over and you'd say, this is the card I would get for you if I were buying it. And she would have to look at the card in the store. Is that, is that true or false? I, that is true. I've done that a couple of times. But what I usually do is I take four pictures <laughs> and then I text those pictures to her. And, and say, say, this is... Happy anniversary, baby. <laughs> So he doesn't actually buy the card, Ross. He just shows her the card he would buy if he was going to spend his money. Yeah, on exactly. Okay, so that one's true. Um, is it true that you spent most of your savings and your wife's savings on buying your first rehab property and didn't ask her? Okay. Okay. No, I, I feel like this is, Ross, do we want explanations or do we just want true or false on that, these? That, that is mostly true. Mostly true. Mostly okay. true. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, 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 why mostly? You want to hear that? Um, I do. I, I do on this one. So I, Renee was working at an insurance company in Bethalto and I went by and uh, she had a part-time job and I said to her, I had a dream last night <laughs> that I bought this house that's going up for auction today for uh, $38,000. I'm going to go buy that house. And she's like, get out of here. We don't have, I don't have the time for this. And um, we only had 3819 I mean, every penny we had, $3,819, and it was 10% down. So that story is 100% true. He said he had a dream. <laughs> and I went to the auction, and uh, uh, a guy who was a big auctioneer in the Bethalto area was selling it. And uh, they, they tr started out at fifty or 75000 got down to twenty five, and I'm like, dude. <laughs> I throw my hand up, twenty five. yeah. I got twenty five, twenty seven five. Another guy's just, he's in. I'm in at 30. He's in at 32.5. I'm in at 35. He's in at 37.5. And I'm like, I can't go 40. I've only got $3,819. <laughs> but I bought it. Now, here's the, here's the part of the story that, that nobody knows. Okay. Oh, dear God, don't let my wife be listening. <laughs> nobody call her. Uh, so I'm leaving the auction. And I'm at the the four way where the Amico used to be at. Now it's uh, the coffee Scooters. shop there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm at that intersection, and I'm at the red light, and Renee's coming from the other direction at the red light, and That's she's just honking to beat the band at me, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not looking, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. I go right onto the church, and uh, about eight thirty nine o'clock, she calls me and she says, "What are you doing?" And I'm like. Uh, Baby, are you sitting down? <laughs> she said, what's going on? And I said, I bought a house today. She was like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, honey, I bought that house. And it was just dead silence for about 20 seconds. And then she said, get home and get home now. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, uh, yeah, so she did, she had no idea. Where, where were you living at the time? Did you own a house? Would, uh, you living yeah, in? we were living on Albers Lane, mm -hmm. and it was our first house. <clears throat> and we had five kids. You know, we had five kids in six years. And uh, our two youngest were boy-girl twins. And so we were looking for a house that had an extra bedroom so we could separate them. They were getting to that age mm -hmm. where you know they needed a, a separate bedroom. And so we, we didn't, we never moved into it. We uh, fixed it up and flipped it. And nice. that's how I began to flip houses. All right. Let's, let's stay on this true false thing. So I, I've heard you had a, you've had a few near death experiences. So I'm going to ask you about each one of them. Okay. 
Now, I, this can't be true, Ross. This one can't be true. You got I, I was told you were been struck by lightning twice. <laughs> not once. Not once. You have been struck by lightning twice. I was personally struck by lightning <laughs> in 1989. And then in May of this year, I was in my truck. And if you can Google uh, truck hit by lightning Tampa. <laughs> I had the same model truck, same color, everything. And in May, uh, I was I was in the truck, and the truck was hit by lightning. And, in fact, they just totaled it last week, totaled out my truck because it was unrepairable. So you've been struck by lightning twice? Me once, the vehicle I was in <laughs> a second time. Yes, that is true. We're, we're counting it. Yeah. We're counting it. <laughs> what, what kind of feeling is that? Does that hurt? Does the, that, the first does one? knock you out? Does Yeah, the first one knocked me out. When I came to, I was on the other side of the room. And I was in the hospital for three days. You were inside of a house? Where were you? Yeah, I was, on the, I was on the telephone. And like a landline? Yep. And yeah. I had my hand on a metal desk. And wow. it blew the lightning arrestor off the building. And uh, yeah. Huh. Any, any injuries? Uh, just just nervous. Twist. <laughs> not, not at all. He seems fine, Ross. He seems just fine. I um, I burnt the major nerve in my in my right arm because this was the hand that was on the on the desk and and I burnt this the major nerve in that arm. Did you know what happened when it hit the truck this last time? Uh, yes, <laughs> I, but you know it's it was the uh, you know back in May that big storm that came through Edwardsville. And and that's where I was at. It was I was just surrounded by light. The truck bounced a couple of times, uh, got a hole in my windshield, uh, and it just died. And I'm literally coasting off the side of the road. I'm going to a meeting, and the whole thing is just dead. No lights, no no flashers, no nothing. And I'm about 18 inches off the interstate. And I get to the meeting, and I'm like, yeah, man, my truck got hit by lightning. And this guy said, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> Were you on the left side of the road? And I'm like, yeah. He said, oh, we passed you. And we said, look at that idiot. He doesn't even have his flashers on. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's true. Okay, well, st we're sticking with the near death. So one time you were stranded a mile out on the in the Gulf on a jet ski. Yeah. First of all, you on a jet ski is kind of funny in itself. <laughs> <laughs> so you're it's like, in, it's in like the, riding the pony at the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> so out in the Gulf of Mexico, you're a mile out yeah. in, on a jet ski, yeah. and it got yeah. The Coast Guard came and rescued me. <laughs> that's and a, that's a true story. That's they a, they had just rebuilt the jet ski the day before, and the guy hadn't got the hole sealed. And so water got in it, and yeah, and hmm. uh, great idea to take it a mile out. And, and I was a, I was out there about an hour, <laughs> really? and it's sinking. You know, it's going. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, they got my credit card, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm so I'm one hand. I'm you know I got one hand on one of the part of the steering thing, uh -huh. and I'm one handing it back towards shore. <laughs> You'll do anything when they get your credit card. <laughs> I'm not paying for this. It's coming exactly. with me. Uh, Which was my first words as a married man. <laughs> I'm not paying for this. You were uh, you were digging a ditch once and it caved in on you. I was working construction at the Mapleton Power Plant for Caterpillar, their foundry, mm -hmm. 11 feet down, and I was grinding on a fiberglass pipe when the ditch collapsed on me. Yeah. 
and did it have have some big uh, like life saving rescue to get you out or like a donkey just, down in a well the, or it was the end of the ditch that collapsed this way and I was under, laying in the bottom of the ditch grinding on a pipe that was coming out so the pipe was over my head I had a mask and a shield and uh, the guy at the other end of the ditch you know screamed and two guys came down the ditch he came from that end and they dug me out <laughs> and that they they called me up i was about 11 feet down they hauled me up i got to the top and i said okay god i will be a minister <laughs> that's a true story one time you're driving mm. down the interstate and your tire and rim just fell off yeah <clears throat> my freshman year in uh, sophomore year in college uh i was uh, i'd left morton <clears throat> i was coming up on tremont and my tire and wheel went a quarter mile further than my car did. <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing came off. Did it pass you up? Yeah. 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 <laughs> there, hey, what was okay, it's mine. <laughs> um, and we're gonna stick we're sticking with your frugal frugalness. Yeah. Uh where's find my notes? Cheap, tight. <laughs> uh is it true that uh, that you self diagnosed like you had diagnosed with one of your sons with with said he had gas, but it really it was an appendicitis. And then instead of taking him to the emergency room, you ask if he could hold out until the doctor was open the next day. Is, yeah. is that a true story? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You wanted to avoid the ER bills. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that twice. <laughs> <laughs> the other one wasn't appendicitis. But yeah. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Uh, true or false, you were a pastor in Litchfield, Illinois, Yeah, and the church was being audited. So you ran into the office to grab the files to take him up to Springfield to the auditing, but you were so like flustered about the audit that you didn't notice the church had been robbed. I was being audited by the IRS. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, you, that's, man, you've got to stop listening to my preaching. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. Well, but yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, I, I was halfway up to Springfield when it just dawned on me. The safe was in the in the sanctuary. We've been robbed. <laughs> um, true or false? You've, you're you're slightly obsessed with uh, with uh, was it Black Friday? Black Friday, and you stand camp out in lines, and you've been known to be sort of a bully while in those lines. Now that's not true, but I am I I am a protector. Of the line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a bully. I'm a protector, protector of the line. Uh, okay, protector of not a bully, a protector of the line. So uh, I started doing, the the first year Best Buy came out with a $99 laptop. So mm -hmm. we had five kids. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was like, man, they need a computer. So I went over to Best Buy. I was the first guy in line. I went over Wednesday night. I was first one in line. The next year I was fourth in line. The huh. next year I was like 11th. <laughs> And then, uh, so what time <clears throat> are you getting there? Like you camping out? Uh, that and of course you got to remember this is twenty some years ago. Mm -hmm. Wasn't what it is now, right? But no, I just went and sat in the doorway. Uh, like how many hours? Eleven o'clock, eleven p.m. <laughs> so yes, you... Wednesday night, oh, uh, Thursday. Night. And they open at what time? At midnight? Uh, they opened they... at that time at five a.m. <laughs> So camping out. So yeah, you can't. Yeah. You know, I feel like you don't want to stay it all it night there. <laughs> I feel like you don't want to call it camping out, but that's. <laughs> and well, I would sit in my car until somebody pulled into the parking lot, and when somebody pulled in the parking lot, I would run out and jump and go sit in the doorway, and then if they didn't come, 
you know, or they went somewhere else, I'd go back to my car. And I just kept my eye on the parking lot entrances. And any time a car pulled in, I'd run it. I'd get and so if it's, anyone would try to so about one or two in the morning. skip lines, you were sort of, you were protecting well, the that's, line. Well, that's a story from my son, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at Best Buy in Peoria for that weekend. We were 44th in line. I'm like, <laughs> we're not going to get a computer. It's not going to happen. And at about 4.30, a guy from the parking lot comes and gets in line. And he just cut in line, like in the first 10 or 15 people. And everyone's just, you know, kind of doing it like that. And I'm like, somebody's got to speak up. <laughs> so I said to Andrew, hold our spot. And I walked up and I said, hey, you, you can't cut in line. The line is back there. Get to the back of the line. <laughs> and he left. He went back to his car and pulled out of the parking lot. And in about 10 minutes later, as God is my witness, somebody pulled in and walked up and did the same thing. And 43 people went like, <laughs> Look right back at me. <laughs> Andrew, hold our spot. <laughs> I, I am a protector of the line. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to lose that $99 computer. I will speak up. <laughs> I could probably do this all day, but um, I think we'll 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 bring up some of the more of those later. Yeah. Um. So let's just kind of start out with. Uh, so where were you born? Let's let's just start from the I was, beginning. I was born in Cairo, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, the furthest city south in Illinois, and my family was from across the river in the boot heel of Missouri. So if you've um, ever heard of the New Madrid earthquake fault, my dad was born in a little, I even hesitate to say community, because they didn't have a tavern, they didn't have a restaurant, they had houses and a one-room schoolhouse, a little place called Sugar Tree Ridge, just outside of um, the uh, of New Madrid. And then my mom was from East Prairie, and uh, my uh they got married. My dad came home from the Navy on leave the day my mom turned 18, and they eloped to Mississippi because they didn't have a three-day waiting period. And uh, they got married, came back. My dad hitchhiked back to San Diego. So he all from Illinois all the way back to San Diego? <clears throat> yeah. Hitchhiked. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, my, my grandmother said, you know, hon, do you have enough money to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Miss Brian, I do. He had a bus money to get him to Kansas City, and he <laughs> thumbed it from there. <laughs> and uh, then when he came home from you the Navy. You wanted to marry that woman. <clears throat> he did. And uh, came home from the Navy, got uh, uh, got a job, moved up to St. Louis to work for uh, Chevrolet, and then hated the factory. He was an outdoor guy. Hunted, fish, trapped. My grandfather never held a job in his life that paid Social Security benefits literally hunted fish trapped for a living. And uh, so my dad went up, became a laborer, and uh, one of the pipe fitters took a liking to him, taught him how to weld, and got him in the uh, pipe fitters union. And uh, so my dad was a pipe fitter, and uh, my brother was a electrician, member of IBEW, and uh, it was a great life. So grew up in the Morton, East Peoria, Peoria area. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> now I've I've heard now I know your mom you're very close with your mom and she was yeah. pr- pretty fiery woman oh yeah right right uh, now it, there was a story about her like like kind of coming to God's story yeah. right yeah and, and so what how how did that how did that go down we were living in East Peoria and my mom had gone to church as a as a little girl mm-hmm. and uh, you know 
uh, my dad had never been in a church building in his life. And so she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a Christian when they got married. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was about uh, seven years old. I was in uh, first grade or second grade. My brother was in kindergarten. And we were walking to school, Tremont, Illinois. She was on, sitting on the front porch watching us walk to school. And she said she felt God speak to her and said, Nancy, you know you're not living right, but you know how to get right. But your boys will never know that they're not living right. And even if somehow they do know they're not living right, they won't know how to get right with with God. And so it really grabbed her heart. And uh, so she went in and gave her life to Christ, and uh, we started going to church every every week. Did your dad? My dad, <clears throat> that's a. Uh, my dad was r- very kind of standoffish, never mean about it, you know. Um, so I would invite my dad to church, you know, talk to my dad about giving his life to Christ, and never did. And in uh, 1992, uh, he was 52 years old. Uh, it was a Thursday. It was the uh, third Thursday of July, and I was like. I was in doing camp at Lake Williamson in Carlinville, and it was like God spoke to me and said, your dad's going to give his life to Christ tomorrow. And so I called Renee, and I said, babe, I can't come home. i gotta go to, I got to go to East Peoria. And I went home and talked to my dad, and I said, Dad, man, you know, I, I walked in. We talked three or four minutes, just stuff, and, and I just blurted out, Dad, when are you going to give your life to Christ? And he said, well, I always thought your mom would be here if I did that. And I said, you want me to go get her? And it was just this pause. And he was like, yeah, yeah, go get your mom. Mm-hmm. And I uh, gave his life to Christ. He died a year later on July the 4th. So, hmm. one year, Exactly one year later. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Now, uh, did, <clears throat> you, did you know growing up that you were going to, um, you know, serve God, become a pastor? I wanted to be a uh, an attorney. I don't a, think he knew <clears throat> that after all these uh, life experiences, <laughs> experiences, I think he had to be pushed into it a little bit. <laughs> there was a little pressure on the back. Yeah. No, I wanted to be an attorney and a politician. I had a, uh-huh. I had a good plan. And then <clears throat> when I was a teenager, I really felt the Lord say to me, I want you to be a minister. And uh, I kind of pushed it off. Got worked on a college permit with the pipe fitters. And man, you talk about a great job. Of course, I'm grinding in the bottom of a ditch. <laughs> you know, I, get the, I get the, the job no, nobody else wants. Right, right. And uh, and with that age, you're making. It feels like you're making a whole lot of money, dude. I was making. I was making seven fifty. <laughs> this is eighty seventy seven. I'm making seven fifty an hour. I'm making fifteen dollars overtime. Yeah, uh, fifteen dollars an hour, and we were working seventy to eighty hours a week. I'm rolling in the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, this is I'm kind of rewind, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but this was a I've heard you tell this story before, and I and I loved it. Is uh, you went back to your old hometown? I think it was Tremont. Yeah, and uh, you went back to get your hair cut, and you went in. The barber was the same guy that cut your hair when you were a little kid. Yeah. And uh, you came in, you said, hey, you're trying to tell him who you are. And he, how old was he at the time when you went back? Oh, man, he was, I was probably 45. He was probably close to 70. Uh-huh. And so he's trying to, 
Pastor Phil is trying to like describe who he is, and he's not really oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, this guy's seen thousands yeah. of people that he's <laughs> cut their hair. Hadn't seen you in for, and so finally he's, he's part way through your haircut. He finally gets he's like, you're the one who your mom used to bring you in, you and your brother, and while you're getting your haircut, she would read Bible verses to you. She didn't <laughs> call you the Bible boys. The Bible boys. That's what <laughs> yeah, he called me. Yeah. You're you're one of the Bible boys. <laughs> <laughs> and we were we were. In, part of a program called uh, Teen Bible Quiz, and they had all kinds of questions. And, uh-huh. and so she was practicing you know, uh, the questions with us while we'd get our hair cut. And I'm just bringing these kind of old stories, just how it, how it pushed, like things like what your mom did kind of pushed yeah, you that way. And I'm, absolutely. There was a, another story I've heard you tell about getting on the bus. And uh, the bus driver would always pull up to everybody's house, honk, give you a couple honks, and if you didn't come out, they were going to leave you. Yeah. But they would do it different at your house with your mom because she, your mom was praying over you guys yeah. in the house, and he would honk, but he'd always wait for <laughs> you because he didn't want the wrath of your mom. <laughs> he, uh, Mr. Steiner was one of our neighbors and was also the bus driver for our route, Morton, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And uh, she'd be in there praying. You know, and Me and my brother, all we're thinking about is, oh, dear God, we're going to be late for school. We're going to be late. She's just calling heaven down, <laughs> you know, praying for us. And you're, bump. Bump, and it wouldn't stop her, man. She's just, <laughs> you've got an appointment with heaven. And uh, we go out and, you know, kind of head down a little bit and get yeah. on the bus. And Mr. Steiner would go, Mama praying? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <get on. laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so when did you, so when did you know that you were going to like become a pastor? How did that end up? 11 feet under. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. it. I yeah. mean, I was literally, I'm making great money. I'm dating a girl. and Is this Renee? Uh, yes. Okay. It wouldn't have been. I <laughs> wouldn't have said no. <laughs> no, it's still Renee. And uh, I'm just, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I know. God wants me to be a minister. But, and they hauled me up out of that ditch. And I'm literally up on the top ground going, okay, that's it. Uh, and three months later, less than three months later, I was, uh, in school. So leading up to that, probably for a few years, you knew you should go do that. Right. But you're making good money, and you're like, I can't give this up right now. Yeah, it was, you know, someday. Yeah. Someday yeah, I'll someday. do that. Someday. You know, and that was kind of my dad. I'll you know. do it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do it after I'm buried alive. Okay, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. my dead body, I'm going to, okay, here you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And so but went, went to Bible college? Yeah, I went to Bible college in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, I've done some master's work with Lincoln Christian University and other stuff. So, yeah. Now, I, I also saw, I think I saw a point where, like, you were going to drop out of college, like, didn't have any, have money left to do yeah. it, going to drop out, and then somehow the college came through, like, gave you a scholar or something like that. Is there a story yeah, about that? Yeah, you know, the, uh, the pipe fitters. I would come over summer work on college permit, and man, they were just fabulous. Uh, and made good money; would pay enough for the next year. And then that year, there was no, there was just no work. Cat was shut down. Uh, Paps Blue Ribbon had a distillery there in town, and they were shut down. And that so, must have been when our dad switched from Paps to Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was just no work. So uh, that summer, I I played basketball in college, and that summer, I'm refing. Uh, summer leagues, and I'm working for uh, uh, Jack Daniels, 
they're they're selling their big oak barrels that they would you know have their their whiskey in. And after they use them a couple of times, they charcoal them out. They use them. They charcoal them out. They use them, and then they sell them to a barrel furniture. So I was working hauling those barrels, and then I was working part time at a church, and I just did not make enough money to go was to be able to go back. And uh, I won the alumni scholarship, which was a full year's tuition, and that's the only reason I got to go back to school my last year. Have you ever heard more of a story that like someone just like pointing you in the direction where you need to yeah, go more than, yeah. more than yeah. this one? It's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> you know, everything kind of aligned. Now, yeah. I, I think I remember this right now. Di- didn't you have kind of a speech impediment back or a speech yeah. issue back in the day? And that was another reason you're like, I'm not going to do this because I, you have, obviously when you're a pastor preaching, you have to talk in front of people and, and you had a speech issue. Is that I, correct? I still have a very slight one. Where there are moments where I will, I get nervous, I get flustered. and I Or when people it, bring it up. <laughs> and I'll begin <laughs> to just stutter a little bit. Now I've learned to stop talking and focus and go on. But yeah, I had, when I was younger, it was very difficult. I wasn't a prolific stutterer, but I, it was every day I'd find myself, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that how'd you overcome that? Just practice, just literally time. Well, were you practicing in the mirror or you just, because of school and, and everything had your a journey really took it out or were you actually practicing one-on-one had a, th- a a therapist at school, okay. you know, that gave you some speech therapy, and it is just it becomes habitual to where you don't think about it, but you find yourself stopping, pausing, and subconsciously even thinking, how do I want to say, you know? And there are still words today that I can't, I just I don't use because I can't get it out without going. Uh, uh, you know, baptismal. <clears throat> there you go in the <laughs> tank. Hmm. Um. So where do you when your wife Renee? So where where do you end up meeting Renee? Uh. So uh. Every denomination is different. Has their core set of beliefs, and so I uh, uh, grew up in the Nazarene Church. Great church, but the Nazarene Church did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We went to this uh, family camp thing. Mom did. I didn't go. And uh, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Nazarene Church at that time was having a ton of people who were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This would have been in 1975. And they asked us to very politely, maybe it would be better if we found another church. You know, And it was, I mean, it was not acrimonious or anything. It mm-hmm. was just, uh, hey, this is not what we practice in. So we started to go to the Assembly of God Church, and uh, Renee uh, had a friend named Pam. Uh, Pam is now, her husband was a pitcher for the Pirates for years. Uh, Pam, I was at the water fountain. Pam came over and said, my friend Renee likes you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the start of a great romance. Now, how old were you then? I was 15. Oh, 15. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it's been that long. Huh? Yeah, we dated for six years. Well, we dated for three years in a six-year period. Mm-hmm. We had date breakup, date breakup, <laughs> date breakup. Uh-huh. So, and so uh, you guys get married. Uh, so as you kind of mentioned, on you, you had have five kids, right? Yeah. 
So when where when do you end up down here? How, what what was your pastor? I guess yeah. journey. What was yeah. the first pastor job you had? I was a youth that. pastor for five years. Okay, where was this at? At East Peoria. Okay, and then I was a uh, pastor in Litchfield for five years, and then I came to Cottage Hills, and I was there for twenty three. So started at Cottage Hills, and uh, um. Really, kind of a historic church there in Cottage Hill. Steve Bryant, I think, got married there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which of... makes it very historic. <clears throat> yeah, old old people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, we grew, and eventually decided to build a new building and and built Cornerstone Church. I, I mean, the, the and I've seen the total because I went. I started going there when it was in Cottage Hills. Right, that's when I first started. I started going for a girl. <laughs> which, which church is this in Cottage Hills? <laughs> What's that? Uh, you it's know, not... right behind the like the pro market uh, thing there. Uh, so you come under the bridge, okay, and you're headed toward Alton. And then you remember where Charlie's Auto Repair used to be on the right, yes. or where the Ninja Gym is on the right. Yes, on the left. There's a little market there, and then back behind that market, I know where you're talking Frost about. Frost Harbor yep. is a church. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Matt, that's where I started going there. No, you didn't find your wife there, though. <laughs> <laughs> Found my life. Um, and, and the things you've done with Cornerstone, I mean, what it's become today, you know, the, the one out there on, on Moreland Road, Moreland yeah. Road, you got to be proud of that, right? I am, yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, it, and of course, you include the basketball gym in it, because that's probably <laughs> one of your, probably your second love, or 1A love. <laughs> Jared <Maybe>. insisted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was great. And the thing I'm probably most proud of is that the people of the church built 90-plus percent of that building. Wow. It was all you know the volunteers and the people of the church, and there's some cool construction techniques in it. You know, insulated concrete form, which was invented in uh, initially in uh, Minnesota for to withstand winter storms, and then they began to build them in Miami and up the the Gulf Coast because they are huge. Uh, if you remember, there was, in Washington, Illinois, there was a tornado about six, seven years ago that wiped out an entire subdivision. Only one house was left standing, and that house was built out of ICF, oh, insulated wow. concrete forms. And uh, now, one thing he's kind of neglecting, and we're going to get to his uh, his his real estate like endeavors. But like one thing he did with Cornerstone is with the church is building the churches is as a pastor with the church, you bought and sold some properties. Isn't that correct? Like they're actually in cottage Hill. As you talk about the Ninja warrior place like that too. Yeah. We owned that. We bought that. Uh, And so you as a church would buy it and sort of flip. Right. Yeah. We 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 made some wise purchases. Good deal. <laughs> he's, and, uh, he's kind of like he's throwing us under the radar. <laughs> yeah, we. I don't know if he's being modest or doesn't or, or it was shady. I'm not sure which. One, but it could go either way. <laughs> it could. It could. That's all I'm gonna say. No, we uh we bought uh, we we bought a lot of property, sold it, uh, flipped it. You know. Uh, like that restaurant was the round table mm-hmm. restaurant. So initially it was a flower shop, then it was sister's restaurant, then it was the round table. It's been a lot of those different things. So we bought that building for $76,294. Uh, we, we rented it out. The round table really 
had a really healthy business there, mm -hmm. uh, a group of Macedonian immigrants. And uh, so they would, they would start a restaurant, <clears throat> bring family members over, get them involved in the restaurant. They'd go start another restaurant. <laughs> right. And um, so we sold that uh, about four years, five years later for like 225000 after after and they, renting the, it, getting... the rental had paid off the purchase price. Oh, ah, wow! So phenomenal. But then all that money we just poured back into the into the church, mm -hmm. you know. So didn't make any profit per se because we didn't take any money out. We just used it to uh, pour back into the church. Right. And we bought the property across the street behind mm -hmm. Charlie's and that little house that's in front of right. the Ninja Workout place. And uh, we've we've. We had bought a couple of other properties that you know appreciated in value, and so <laughs> were you. Um, were you doing real estate personally before this, or is this kind of how you got into it? Uh, no, I had I had been like the the house at the auction. Uh, I had bought. Now was that, that before the was that before the the like the church stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you were doing it personal first. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Had a guy in the church, a great guy. Uh, who said to me, you need to buy a house. You don't want to live in a church parsonage. If you're going to take care of your family, you're going to be retired someday. You need to buy a house. So I bought a house. And my dad, so growing up, I lived in 14 different houses in 18 years. Uh, so my dad would buy, sell, buy, sell, uh -huh. buy, sell. And uh, uh, one night I was, at a, I was playing trombone in junior high at a outdoor band concert and I saw my dad's truck loaded up with furniture and I'm like <laughs> we're moving <laughs> and uh so I just started you know buying and selling a little here and there and so I've probably flipped 20 or 30 houses do you do the construction yourself uh most of it yeah you know and it's just thank god for youtube yeah. <laughs> like, how do I do that and I don't do the, I don't do the electric He's probably uh, bringing in, like we do, bringing in Don Brown. To, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're you're a licensed real estate agent. Correct? I was was and a licensed, licensed auctioneer. auctioneer. Yeah, yeah. That that's why you see you see he was showing off a little bit when he was talking. I got a one dollar two now two now three now four. <laughs> so every everything that you've done in real estate has it been flip or have you have do you hold at all? I I hold right now. I've got I think I have six right now that I'm holding. Renting. Do you just do a uh, single family? Do you get into multi or single family? Because uh, it's what I know. Yeah. Uh, people who rent single family usually will stay two, three years, mm -hmm. and, which is a lot better. Uh, I've got one that uh, think they've been there five or six years now. That's great. And you know, and I try to be a good landlord. Uh, so if you've got if you rent from me and you you Pay your rent on time. Uh, at Christmas, I give I give all your kids fifty bucks, uh, you know, because I want you. Um, so just little stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, I would, I'm gonna on that. So do you find some conflicts being like a pastor, a man of oh, God, yeah. and you know what I'm saying? So to be <laughs> generous, and you know what I'm saying. And do you ever find that being tough when you know? Because Ross Ross is in <clears throat> in the rental business. And, you know, you, you always have, oh. and, and our parents were, right. and so you always had these people like excuses, can't pay the rent on time and things like that. And you want to be an understanding and giving person, but then also like, it's a business. So do you, do you have, how often do you have like just conflictual feelings on all that? And all of the years I've done it, I've only had to evict one person. 
mm-hmm. but I've had numerous people go, I can't believe that you're expecting me to go ahead and pay the rent today when I'm having trouble paying my other bills. Yeah. You're a preacher. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. And I have a family and bills of my own. <laughs> but yeah, it is tough. There is a real conflict there. Yeah, but I, yeah, I could see that. So, I, um, I look at rental as I always flipped. Uh, a young person should almost always flip. Um, but now, the, why do you say that? Uh, the return is so much better if you will put the money back into the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the return is quicker and easier, and no no headaches of the rental. Yeah, uh, renter tearing your property up. You got to repair it again and again and again. But as you get closer to retirement, my perspective is it's a great rental stream, a stream of income. So when I retire, I want to have five streams of income. So I will continue to work a job. I will, you know, I'll find a part time gig somewhere. I'll have Social Security. I'll have what I have investments. I'll have uh, my housing. Uh, I have a invent, invested into housing thing. I've bought a small, I've self-funded a small pension. Thank you, Don Brown. And uh, <laughs> then I will do rental income as a, as a stream. So that if the market goes bad, I'm not worried about it. I got rental and Social Security. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. I guess you could look at it, though. The younger you start on holding rentals, the quicker you're going to pay them off and be a little more, they're going to be more profitable by the time you go to retire. That, that is true. But so let's say you, you buy uh, uh, a house. Let's say you pay $75,000. Okay. You know, you're, it's a two-in-one or a really small three-in-one. You can't buy that anymore. Yeah. But... Uh, so you and you rent that out for, uh, let's say you are in a great location. You rent it out for a thousand. After you pay twenty five hundred dollar property taxes in Madison County, and then you pay your thousand dollars of insurance on the property, you're going to see about a seven or eight percent return on your money. Then you've got a normal year three percent appreciation value, so you're at about eleven percent. Whereas if and I tried anything I'm going to flip, I try and hold it for one year. So I'm always at the end of one year, short-term tax versus long-term capital gains is yeah. quite a bit of difference. So I sell it at the end of the year, but then I take all of the profit. And so let's say I bought something for 45 that needed repairs. I put 10 into it, 55. I sell it for 75. Well, then I'm making about 42% on return. I take that 42% and I invest it right back in. Now I buy a $75,000 house that I put 15 into and sell it for 120. I'm making 30%. And if I you keep doing it, your return is better. You don't have to worry about the headaches as much, although you do have to find an insurance company that'll work with you while you keep that house empty for a year. Yeah. Yeah. You only do one house a year. Uh, I haven't done many since I've been in this job because I travel so stinking much. I've had 107 nights in a hotel this at, year. At your prime while flipping, yeah. was it one, one a year? year? One a year. Mm-hmm. It's great advice for anybody looking for a something to get into, um, a side hustle or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's great advice thing, right there. The thing of it is, is uh, find somebody who flips and say, hey, can I can – I, can you invite me over once a month when you're going to work on the house? Yeah. Can you, when you go shopping, so I've taken four or five young guys 
18, 19, 20, shopping with me when I go looking for houses. So I go, uh, what do you think? Oh, I loved it. Or, oh, I hated this house. And I'm going, I love this house. Mm-hmm. You know, there's money to be made here. And uh, so find somebody who flips. Find a great real estate agent, someone that you trust, someone who really has a heart to help you. Who's yours? Uh, I, I have. I want to say. <laughs> I have two. I have two. Okay. I love Don Brown uh-huh. and uh, Sherry Gilliland. Gotcha. Is, they're just both fabulous. And, and, and without even saying, you hit a couple things that we always talk about here. Find a mentor. Yeah. We, Ross and I talk always. about this all, and we, we, we pre, I, I don't know how many times we've said this on podcasts, is find somebody doing what you what you want to do, and they will help you for free. They, people, we love, love to do love it. Love to help. You love doing it. People who are successful almost always realize somebody helped me. Yes. You know, I mentioned Gary. You know, uh, there was a Gary guy. Hartsock. Yeah, who got me... You know, in the beginning, helped me get a little under he and then Donna was the president of the Board of Realtors. They understood real estate. They did rentals that you know, they just really helped me. And people who are successful at something wanna help. They want that craft to go on uh, in that area and want other people to be successful. So I love that. Yeah. Mentors and, and put together a good team. Yeah. You know, and that's what your realtors are yeah. and, and and then I've got like two that. or three guys so that now, uh, I mean, you know, there's there's stuff I don't do. Yeah, uh, you know, once you, you've been hit you by got lightning, a, but you got a team. <laughs> yeah, but I've got people that I call. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I'm always looking for more people. I'm always looking for people who are skilled at something, who are good, who are reasonable, who are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I I keep a list. Yeah. So. I love that. Yep. Great info right there. So. When did your kid journey begin? Because we, we talked about you have five, and I, I know you have a funny story how you ended with the last two. Yeah, I've heard that story a few times, which I like. So, so uh, what year? How old were you when you had your first child? Uh, I was twenty-five, twenty-four or five. When you were twenty-four or twenty-five, <clears throat> how many kids did you want to have? Uh, two. Yeah. And, oh, you uh, got that. I was fine with three. You know, <laughs> we had we had uh, we had Philip, and then so you were still a youth pastor at that time, probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then twenty months later, twenty two months later, we had Matt, and uh, we were just Matt was born, and two days later we moved to Litchfield, and uh, where he became the pastor of Litchfield, mm-hmm. and then uh, fourteen months later, Andrew was born. Uh, it was it was April first, and Renee came into the office, and I'm I'm just working. so after you had the two, were you were you were you talking about having a third? No, 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 no. And because Renee really wanted a girl, uh-huh. and so April first, she walked in the office with a friend of hers, and the friend looked like she'd been crying, and Renee said, "I'm pregnant," and I'm like. Ha-ha, now you look fools. like you've been crying. You, you got me. Ha-ha, I'm really busy. I don't have time for this. And she slams this home pregnancy test down on the table, and she says, does that look like I'm joking to you? And uh, she said, we'll just have another boy, and we'll just name him Andrew, because we were trying to decide Matt or Andrew, Matt or uh-huh. Andrew. And, uh, and she was joking, because obviously she, no, and we Yeah, had, and we had another boy named Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> So we had three in, in right at four years. And then Renee had a couple of miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And when, and I'm like, okay, we're done. You know, 
I'm not making any money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got three kids. They're all just doop, 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 you know. Yeah. And so how they like, like at, around that time, how old are they? They were, uh, like eight, two, three, and, and almost five. Two, three. <laughs> so yeah. Two, three, four. Yeah. And so, um, you're like, I'm done. We're done. We're done. And one morning it's, so I've got like eight times in my life when I can tell you, I know I heard from God. I mean, I just, that had to be God. And uh, we had this 5.30 Monday morning prayer meeting, which I will say now for the first time, I hated being up. <laughs> I've worked all day Sunday, not 5.30 yeah. Monday morning. My first prayer was always this, God, please help me not to fall asleep. <laughs> and uh, I was praying in the front section of the pews, the first pew, the far right-hand corner of that middle section. And I, I just felt God say to me, do you love your wife? And I'm like, well, you know, you, you're not going to tell God no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, would you do anything for your wife that was within your power? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Your wife wants another baby. Go home and have another child. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. That's not fair. You tricked me. And uh, I went home and I told Renee, we'll try one more time. And that's it. And if we have a boy, we have a boy. And if we have a girl, we have a girl. And if you miscarry, that's we're done. So that's the deal, you know. And uh, she got pregnant, and uh, boy, no one tell her this. She was huge. <laughs> I mean, she was. And we went to this uh, convention, and people were saying, "What are you doing traveling?" And Renee's like, "Well, I mean, she was due in at the end of February." She's like. I'm not due for another six months. And so we, in October, we went, she went, I was, uh, we were in Litchfield, but I was down here for a meeting and, uh, she, uh, went to the, to the doctor. They did a scan and I come back, my son, Matt's birthday. This is October 11th. I come back and remember the old McDonald's that used to have like the atriums on the side, you know, with that sloping glass and, Yes. You know, and so I went in there and I said, what well, did the doctor say? Because she had miscarried a couple of times. Uh-huh. She said, honey, not right now. And I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, right now. What did the doctor No, not right now. <laughs> not while everybody's around. No, I want to know now. She said, let me go out to the car. She went out to the car. She's coming back in. And those atriums had like a front and a back entrance. So I see her coming in. So I go out the back entrance to catch her in the hallway while she comes in the front entrance, and as she was coming around the corner, I see this pink balloon, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to have a girl. And she steps right back out, and she walks up to me, and she pulls this blue balloon from behind her. <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> and to this day, I still got goosebumps. You can still see the feeling that I felt, because I'm just like, oh, my God, there's a pink one back there, too. And then she goes... And there's a little girl right there beside him. And she's just euphoric. And I'm wanting to puke my guts out. You know, because it's like, oh, five, five. When God starts sending them two at a time, it's time to quit. And uh, so I had a boy and a girl. And, I, and now I wished I'd had more. Listen, my kids are my best friends. I wished I would have had more. Yeah. Uh, but 
But, you know, back then I was young, dumb, and stupid. And I, I don't. It, and dirt it, poor. And I don't know it's so hard, though. I mean, I have three right now. So yeah. Six, about to be four, and, and one. Yeah. It's so hard. So it's not, I mean, it's. <laughs> well, you make that decision at the time. It's. My, and here's the deal, though, Ross, too. You, but when they become teenagers, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I love these kids are phenomenal. You know, I loved going to, uh, you know, their track meets and basketball games and football and just, they became. Yeah. And, but, but you're, what I'm trying to say is, I mean, all your, your, what are you five, four, three, and now you got twins coming. It's easy to look back and say, I wish I would have had more, but at the time, yeah. you're trying to get them all fed and sent to school in the morning and put to bed at night and, yeah. and fed oh. at dinner. And, <laughs> and Renee did all that. Change it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you should have had more. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, it was, uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Every young parent, you know, our, our daughter-in-laws have said to us, how, how did you do it? These two are killing us. These three are killing us. How did you? And it was just, you know, well, you just did it, but yeah. it was. You just do it. That's for that sure. Stuff, yeah. yeah. And I've heard stories that also you, you did what your mom did, except when you guys would drop the kids off at school, you'd pray like in the car. Oh Yeah. And they, they were kind of the same way as you were, like, please, just let him get this prayer over with, right? <laughs> get done praying before you pull up to where you let us out, please. <laughs> no, I, I think there's something to be said with all that because, like, you, you have great kids. Yeah. You never ha- you didn't have any that's ever been in trouble with the law no. or on drugs or anything like that. They've all turned out to be very good, successful kids, yeah. married great people. And I think that you, like— what your mom did to you, you just instilled instilled these great values and always yeah. every day sort of reinforcing like beliefs, like good morals and ethics and things. Well, you know, Todd, here's what I believe. I believe every one of us have three components in our life. We have our body, we have our mind, but we also have who we are at the very core. We have our spirit. Uh, so I believe we are spirit, soul, and body. Um, Spirit, mind, and body, however you want to, mm-hmm. to, to declare that. And if somebody doesn't take care of their body, what happens? It breaks down. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't take care of their mind, if they're not reading, if they're not learning, if they're not listening, if they're not growing, what happens? They begin to decline. But because we paid attention to our kids' spiritual life, they're, they're successful in that area as well. And that's what I'm so thrilled about. They, they're living a truly well-rounded life. You cannot take care of your body for 50 years, but it will eventually catch up to you. Mm-hmm. You cannot take care of your mind for 50, 60 years, but it will eventually catch up to you. And you cannot take care of your spirit for 50 or 60 years, but there will come a payday for not doing that. And so because we invested that into our kids' lives early, uh, there was a, a, a benefit that they're enjoying now because we paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, what What do your kids What do your kids do now? Phillips a, a teacher at uh, Civic Memorial. Uh, Matt's a pharmacist. Andrew is an adjunct professor at SIU and uh, a COO. Uh, Jared works on the investment team uh, for Amron. Uh, Did he finish up school? Yeah, well, he's got two masters. He has a master's, an MBA, and then he has from SIU, 
Then he has a master's of finance from Wash U. Wash U, yeah. Last last I had I had talked to him, he was he was at Wash U still. Yeah. I, I thought you were like, hey, did he finally finish? No, no, no. <laughs> finally, finally get his that. No, it was, we just talked about it a lot. And he, he got that GED. No, he was at Wash U, which was very impressive, and yeah. he was. I remember him. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just second master's, master's yeah. of finance, and then my daughter's a mergers and acquisitions attorney. <laughs> you did all right. I did okay. He did okay. I can't wait till I retire and start taking care of me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ten grandkids at this point. Uh, right? Yes, ten. Uh, wow. ten. Our our tenth was stillborn, mm-hmm. but we we count him even though he was stillborn. He's still ours. Yeah. So yeah. Now, I want to tell. I I I, did, I wasn't sure why I was going to fit this story in. And I don't, <laughs> there's no way to really fit it just in. Go with us, it. So I'm just going to jump in. So. Um, so when I first started Pride, so Pastor Phil was one of my first clients in yeah. the garage. He came yeah. to my creepy wood paneled garage. Okay, and I remember first of all, I remember because Pastor Phil is the guy that sort of he brought me like sort of started my sort of Christian life. I went to church as a kid, yeah. but then I sort of was lost for a long time, and he sort of brought me back. And so like when he got a hold of me when I was going to church, you know, you think of like an, a pastor as sort of an authority figure. So he's going to come, and he's like, I want to come and, you know, work out with you and, then, you know, be a client. I'm like, and so I remember like the first day, he's kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like, what music do I play? What, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's a pastor. I, did I put it on Joy 98? <laughs> what station do I listen to? Or whatever. And and we formed a great bond there. But one of my, my best stories, I don't I'm not sure if he t- didn't tell me at the time or back then. I was just so young and dumb and knew and, and knew it like the whole training thing. If I wasn't sure, but he, he was diabetic. Yeah. I don't think he told me. No. So he comes in one day and, you know, workouts were pretty hard. And, and Pastor Phil, don't he very athletic. You played college ball. Yeah. Very, very, very athletic. So he comes in one day and putting him through, I'm putting him through a grinder. And so he starts getting all weird on me, like, like mad, like kind of like push, like, 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 like someone drunk would do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, man, what? And seriously, it was like he was like, an agitated drunk person. Do you know what I'm saying? Like kind of stumbling around and seriously, like, oh, hey, I, I think you need, and he's really sweating profusely. I'm like, hey, maybe you should sit down. And, uh, and like, just kind of running it, running into me. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> he's drunk or something is going on. I, don't, I had no idea. Do you know what I'm saying? And back, and, and now I've, I've, I've kind of researched up on it. So if something like that would happen, I would know. But back then I, you know, that was my yeah. first year doing it. I had no idea what was going on with this guy. So finally I get him to like, and he's still trying to lift weights and they're just going everywhere. So finally I get him to sit down and he goes from sitting down to laying like on the floor, like, and like, <laughs> like I thought he was Ross. I thought he was dying. I'm like, I have killed the pastor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I had some other attorney clients. If they died, okay, that's one thing. But <laughs> I killed the pastor, and so I'm like, I'm like, what, what, what can I do? What, what's wrong? What's going on? I was like, he's like, sugar, sugar. I'm like, are you saying sugar? He's like, get some, sh- some sugar. I'm like, I think he's saying sugar. <laughs> I and got ice cream. So, so then, it, then it hits me. So I go, you know, it's in my garage. So I go sprinting into the house. Okay. And of course, I'm single guy, and I actually I had a canister of sugar, which I don't ever I don't I'm not forty making. years old. <laughs> I don't. I'm you, guessing my grandma left it at the house and <laughs> <I> bought it. <laughs> that, that's it's funny you say that. So I I take the, the the lid off this canister, and there's like a scooper, and I 
clunk, clunk, dude. It's just like concrete. So I grab a, uh, I grab a, a knife and I'm like, just chopping the shit. The pastor's dying out here. So, dude, I scoop up, finally gets this, and it's like, dude, it's like gravel. And so I get this sugar out to him in, in the in the garage, and somebody comes back and ends up driving himself. It was one of the scariest moments of mine as a trainer ever. We're or about 40 minutes in. It took me about 10 minutes to even get to where I was, I think, cognizant. <laughs> so I was like, you need to go home. And I'm like, I've got 10 minutes. <laughs> I I, he probably wanted a refund. <laughs> but, so I've got two great Todd stories. Oh, so nice. so yes. here we are. I've, I've been there about a month and working out. I go back to the office. This We did Wednesdays. Uh, and uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then uh, after about five or six months, he said, "Come on, Saturday, you can. You're at the point now where you can come do the circuit. circuit. Saturday circuit yeah. in the yard." And so, I've been there about a month doing this, and got done one day. And you know, Todd would always you know wipe stuff down after I'd leave, and you know stuff like that. And I'm out in the yard puking, and, and I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> chunking it up and Todd walks past. See you on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and then one time it was about this time of year where I I'm having a great workout and he's like, man, you're killing it today. And we're just getting with it. We're having a great workout. And he said, what'd you have for breakfast? Do you remember this? And no, I don't, I said, I had candy corn. <laughs> he called me candy corn for about three months. Hey, candy corn, come on, get over here. <laughs> that, part, that part I do remember. <laughs> we had some fun back then in the oh, yard, didn't great. we? It was great. Yeah. yeah. That's when like Jared was coming, and then yeah. uh, I think Andrew and his wife came. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a picture of me and Jared. Yeah, you sent me yeah, the yard. I'm going yeah. to post that. That, that was good. Yeah. That, that was good stuff. <clears throat> in fact, one of the circuits I did with Ross. Yep. Yeah, well, we were yeah. when we were talking about. It, he's like, I don't know him really well. One of his, his kids went to school with me, but I remember him from from the yard, from being yeah. in the yard or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was good times back then. <laughs> <laughs> the elephant and the bod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that pairing was. Um, do you, do you have a now excluding the Bible, of course? Do you have a favorite book? Um, there are two or three books that I read. Uh, Every year, hmm. uh, I like so this wow. I read a book called Good to Great, uh, and it's it's a business book, and it talks about how to transition from a good company to becoming a great company. And so, Good to Great, it's a great book. Uh, I read a book uh, every every year by a guy named Chris Volatron, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. Um, I do a lot of. Uh, especially as I get closer to retirement, I do a lot of coaching for young ministers on mm -hmm. finances. Uh, you've got four financial stages in your life and uh, you know how to operate in each one of those stages. Uh, so those are two books that I read every year. So, and, and talking about that with young ministers, since you've, you know, this kind of soup, you're in charge of all the assembly of God churches in Illinois. Uh, I, I see one of the things kind of been, a passion of yours is is planting churches, yeah. starting Assembly of God, and that's kind of like the legacy you're kind of starting to leave, isn't it? Yeah, we're doing. Uh, we've probably fifteen twenty percent of our churches are less than fifteen years old now, mm -hmm. uh, and 
so that uh, we're getting ready to start a fully accredited college, uh, and then we've paid off a ton of debt. Yeah, and I think when you took over, they were they were they were pretty they were pretty uh, deep in debt. Isn't that yeah, correct? Yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of debt and liabilities, and so we've paid off about twenty six million. <laughs> so in how many years? Ten. Wow. So it's just being smart, making smart decisions. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and so the, the church I go to now, which is a assembly of God, is yep. sort of one of your one of your new plants. plants. Yeah, mm-hmm. new yeah. hope. How did you how did you decide where and when to open up a church? Need wise, and you know the numbers have to be right. I'm sure. And there's a, there's a little bit of market research to it. Yeah, you know it's just like in the restaurant business. Do you want to you know you you either want to open where there's five other restaurants. Because that's where everybody goes to eat, mm-hmm. or you want to open in a restaurant desert, and uh, so we look for the same thing. Gotcha. Just some market research, and then too, it's just you know where does somebody have a heart to do it? You know, uh, when Phil was first talking to me, we were in uh, uh, the basement of a house we just moved into, <laughs> and out of uh, a year later, and. Uh, <laughs> So Phil was like, "Man, I, I really want to plant a church," and I said, "You need to consider the, you know, the the Glen Carbon, Edwardsville, Troy area because we, you know, we don't have a lot of churches there, and it's a great spot." So, not a great spot to find a building. No, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. So that's the church I go to, and uh, I think it's seven years. He just had just a seventh year anniversary, mm-hmm. or just recently, like in the last couple of weeks. And I started with them on the very first day yep. they started. And uh, so since I've been going, we started at Lincoln Middle School, like in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to the sock, like the end, what is it called? The sports academy or something, the game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, just what on it, the other side of 270. Yeah, where they have the indoor soccer field. Right. So we, we've had church there. You'd have to bring your own lawn chair. They had some metal folding <laughs> chairs. We'd sit on the AstroTurf, like in the soccer field and have yeah. church. There's a few times we had like there would be some uh, some booking problems with the venue, and we'd go to have it in a park, right? Or we'd have it on a parking lot somewhere. And now we are in the Edwardsville Movie Theater. <laughs> so when we go to, AMC, yeah. yeah so <laughs> here's the funny thing about that, Ross. So you, I I'm a late arriver to church. Okay, let's just say I'm a late. as God is my witness. <laughs> I I thought about showing up at ten ten today and going, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, I'm on Todd Locks time. <laughs> I that, that's um, I'm kind of speechless on that. Well, I'm well. It's on purpose. Yeah. I, they we we do a lot of singing, and I I, I skip a lot of. Okay, things. okay. <laughs> if I get there at ten about ten twenty three, I catch the last song, and I, I I do my worship time. Yeah. But anyway, so it's in the movie theater. So the the seating is like this. Okay. So when you walk in late, everybody. Literally, Everybody figuratively, are looking down on you. <laughs> 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 like they all see me. Like they are serious. Like, it's like like that. Hey, how you, you know, normally, like if you walk in late, no one sees you because everybody's right. facing. You're in the back. Yeah, you're in, you come in the back and no one sees you. There, they're all up there, like just judging me. Yeah. Renee and I, if I'm not speaking, wherever we go, we always come in five minutes late because I don't want people going. The superintendent's here, you know, and I don't want the minister to get nervous. But when we go to to New Hope, it's like, oh man, because yeah. you come in, it's like, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. 
I, this, it wasn't this last time you spoke at New Hope, but the time before that, he uh, he's getting ready. I know he's speaking. So I, right before he gets ready to go up, I send him a text. text. Say, hey, your fly's undone. <laughs> and I, I see that, and I'm like, oh, it's Todd. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> What's the story behind it not having a building? Uh, because they're, they were just going to rent Lincoln Middle until they – had enough people, had enough resources to buy a facility. And they've just, mm. there's just nothing for sale. Mm. They've had some things that they thought looked promising, some land and different things that just yeah. fall through. And somebody ends up coming in and like just overbidding or throwing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. Edwardsville, Glen Carver. They had service just, here one time. Well, that was the, the worship, the singing, yeah. this worship night. Yeah. 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 So, but it's it's just tough to find a facility. Yeah. Gotcha. What what are you like in in sort of these these I hate to say trying times man I sound old don't I Russell? <laughs> but in these new times like what what do you what what new problems have you seen with the church and things like that is it is it is it getting harder or easier like because like, oh, the times are crazy so are people flocking to church more because oh crap the freaking more you see I didn't I didn't say a cuss word there Ross I've done a good job myself. <laughs> you have done hey, great I was, okay okay here we go <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> I never tell people I'm a minister <clears throat> if I have the opportunity to not say. Yeah. Because the minute you go, oh, I'm a minister, people go, oh, my God, what have I been saying? <laughs> <laughs> I see it in their eyes. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I something funny. A while ago you said uh, when you were talking about Renee saying that you're had uh, that you having twins and she brought yeah. the balloons, you go, oh, f-. and I heard the F, and he's like, oh, what's he? Go, oh, <laughs> Five. <laughs> I was uh, like, oh, Ross, we're going to have to learn how to edit. Quick. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it is crazy times. COVID really, most churches are down anywhere from 25 to 50% mm-hmm. uh, attendance-wise. Um, your churches or churches in general? Churches in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the culture, we are... Uh, you know, if, if you just do a quick study on, on cultures, Greeks were a, a culture that focused on wisdom. Romans were a a, uh, a culture that focused on conquest. Uh, we're we're an emotional culture. Uh, it's not not the truth or not what I am or it's how I feel. Mm-hmm. We're a culture where everybody gets offended. We're a culture where people who come to your restaurant are probably, you know. I'm so angry about this. I'm so upset about this. Or, the, you know, it's it's like we're, we're a crybaby culture. Where I don't. Uh, let's edit that out. Uh, we're an emotional yeah. culture. We're a culture where people so are scared that someone's going to get mad. About <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just offended. <laughs> some of you. I'm sorry. Uh, we're an emotional culture, and so therefore, people get offended over nothing. And it's uh, it's that's difficult to deal with. Do you think our pastors having to worry about what they say more? Do they have to? They worry about that offending. They, either they do or they don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people are just try to be offensive, you know, and that's not smart either. But uh, yeah, there is there is some of that. It happens. Gotcha. We're good. I just got a low battery. Uh huh. Um, I'm just assuming that it's not plugged into the. So I'm just gonna check. Well, we're probably gonna shut him up soon anyway. So yeah, I'm a talker. <laughs> this I'm gonna say something. This might be, going along with that. It almost it's it might be seem controversial. But did you see where Tom Brady, 
he likened like whenever he was going off the training camp, he likened it to going being deployed like in the military. Did you see that, Ross? I did. And people were all like all offended by that. You know, let me tell you who's not offended by that. People who actually in, served in, in the, the military. military. Yeah. It's people who didn't are offended by that. You know what I'm saying? They know what he means. In a you lot, know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a lot. It's, it's so ridiculous. And, well, it and, seems like a lot of a lot of the people who get emotional and mad over a lot of these things that are said aren't the ones that have lived it or, or you know aren't the ones it's directed at. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like they're 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 offended because they think you're offending someone else. Yeah. Yes. It's, yes. That's what it is. You know that, that's what it is. Like and I was it, and football was created as like it was like a warlike game. You know what I'm saying? Like you have a line of scrimmage and you're trying to take the other person's like, you know. You're trying to crush them. Right. Yes. You're trying to crush them and you're trying to take. Take like, their get, territory. Get going into their territory yeah. and you're trying yeah. to break through the lines. And it was created like a warlike game or whatever. Yeah. And, and he says he doesn't mean like I'm getting shot at and killed. It, I, I just you're right. But I, it just it's. And that makes it hard crazy. for the church because you're always someone's going to get offended and mad. And, you know. Yeah. But hey. Has that become in your time? You say that's that's what we are as a culture, emotional culture. Has that worsened over time? Has it always been this way? Has it? No, I I think we were an incredibly traditional culture when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, up until, yeah. and then in the eighties, we be, in the eighties we became eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. We became a very uh, uh, financial money driven culture. Mm-hmm. And what happened was the rest of the world began to, you know, oil in the in the Arab world and and other stuff began to create a global economy. So for that thirty year period, that generation became a very financial and and now uh, I, I would say we're a very technologically driven culture. But part of that is. Now we have this sense that we're a world community and we're always, a f- you know, we want everybody to have the same and be the same and do the same or to be able to be their individual self. And and it's just created, a, you know, a very emotional basis. So culture is always changing. Right. You, know, you just got to live with it. Yeah. Seems soft to me these days. Soft. Soft. <laughs> soft. <laughs> You use oh. emotional. We use soft. <laughs> yeah, we use, yeah, we use soft. Um, you know, here's something. Now, this 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 is not going to be a, me throwing up a softball to you like we yeah. have been doing. Um, and and I'm very torn on this. <clears throat> so, you know, during COVID, when gyms had to shut down, I shut down. Restaurants shut down, and you know, churches shut down. And part of me was kind of, and, and I shut down too, so I'm being a hypocrite. But part of me was kind of mad that churches shut down. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there's a you know the freedom of religion and things like that, and and to you know, and I, like I said, I'm being a hypocrite. But then I always thought churches, like with your faith based, like you sh- we should still should have showed up. Two weeks became two years. Yeah. You know, and it's still affecting our culture. I don't know if there'll ever be a post-COVID culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, you know. Uh, I was fine. I mean, this is just me. This is me not in my job. This is just me as me. Uh, you know, I was fine with the two weeks.
We think. And we the, think. And the Had power of God has resurrected it. <laughs> and you know, the stuff you said, <laughs> the stuff you said while we were on that break, I cannot believe a pastor saying that type of stuff. Forgive, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> hey, your, your heads up, turn the mics off, though. Look at you. You're like a professional. Yeah. What, really? No I mean, mic. Hey, no, no mic checks in here, man. No hot mics. <laughs> no hot mics in here. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. I, where were we, Pastor Phil? Where were we? you? Were getting ready to drop you're, some you're, some heavy bombs? I feel yeah, like. Yeah, you were asking me what I thought about closing down, and mm-hmm. and for me, uh, you know, I I was absolutely fine with the two weeks to flatten the curve type stuff, but when you when you get into much, you're talking about people's lives. Uh, you're talking about yeah, yeah, I can die physically, and that does. I mean, there were people who passed away, friends of mine mm-hmm. who passed away from COVID, but. There are also friends of mine who their business went bankrupt and their family's now out of their home. Their life was changed on the other side of it. You know, every decision has consequences. So, you know. I, I, and we won't make you get too deep into that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was a right decision. Yeah. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. there is no right thing to do. Right. And, and like what Ross and I have said on here, said back during that, is like, in this. This sounds bad, but like my business, my gym is my life. Your life. You know what I'm saying it really is. I, I like in Ross. It's like it's like our babies. We've built it from the ground up, and 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 churches are essentially businesses. Really, right. do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you you need attendance and you need people to be there. Do you right. know? Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. It's just, I've got a I have a friend in Chicago who moved here from Great Britain, who had not seen his family in over two years. They couldn't come here. He couldn't go there, you know. Yeah. They're come, you know. And I, hey, I am not a COVID expert. I don't know, but all I know is that people were physically dying and dying in other ways. Well, so yeah, yeah, no, no easy answer. Right. I don't have anything else. It was a great I, I, story. I laughed hard. This was a very funny podcast. Because uh, <laughs> of me, uh, mostly. yes, mostly because of you. Um, Pastor Phil, thank you very much for coming in. Oh, guys, I, my privilege. And I didn't, I didn't get all mushy with him during this this episode, but the guy has done so much for me in my lifetime. You know what I'm saying? Sort of, just kind of resurrecting my life a little bit, and just if if you know, yeah, I want to, I want to thank you too for doing that for Todd. Because <laughs> we all like him a little bit more now. <laughs> but you know, and he's a guy like. Like if if I need like a little prayer request, you know, I give one of the, one of his minions. You know what I'm saying? One of the, one of the lesser lesser people. Yeah. But then if I need something big, I'm shooting it out. You have reached the end of pray it and slay it. The guys wanted me to tell you that the computer died in the studio and nothing else interesting was said after that. Stay tuned for the next episode.